Welcome to the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. It's a pleasure to join you again. We're starting the week here, a week that now is going to be much more action-packed with NBA news you know, than we would have even anticipated possibly a week ago with the news last week that the NBA season is now starting on December 22nd. Every day we're likely going to see some new news nuggets fall into place for the uh, for the Grizzlies and for the NBA as a whole leading up to the start of the season. Obviously, you know, we've got you know the NBA draft nine days away before that the 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 block on trades will obviously be lifted and right after the draft you know we've got NBA free agency all of this likely happening or starting within the next 10 10 days to two weeks before training camps are, are targeted to start on December 1st. So plenty of potential news action uh, going on across the NBA. For today's show, though, we're going to remain focused on the NBA draft and in general until the draft comes, you know, a week from Wednesday. Um, in the first segment, I'm going to talk about three things that really are starting to stand out to me about this year's NBA draft, not only in terms of the Grizzlies, but also in general, really get into some things that are really, you know, striking me as interesting about this NBA draft. And in the second or third segment, going to talk about a specific reason as to why the Grizzlies may already have a head start on their 2020 draft plans as they already have a player in the fold that really could impact their rookie class and be a you know a contributing rookie during the 2020-2021 season you know coming up. We want to remind you obviously that you can find the show at Locked on Grizz. Myself at Stats SAC. The show wherever podcasts are available. Spotify, Stitcher, the um, podcast app on your iPhone. My name is Sean Coleman. I'm glad Glad to be here every single day to talk with you about whatever news may drop or whatever perspectives may be out there about the Grizzlies. I love talking about the Grizzlies in the NBA because they're passions of mine. I've been covering the Grizzlies now for a little over two years, writing over at Grizzly Bear Blues and podcasted in various um, areas, but love every chance I get to talk about the Grizzlies, the NBA sports in general, and just interact with those who share the same passions that I do. And I also love, you know, I, I love delivering honest takes, love diving into the stats, giving reasons as to why you know, news impacts the Grizzlies and the significance of different things that come to light. And also just in general, I'm cherishing each and every moment that I get, you know, to share my perspective with Grizzlies fans such as myself. We also want to remind you before we get started that our title sponsor is Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And right now, if you go to BuiltBar.com and you put in the promo code Locked On, you'll get 20% off your next order of Built Bar. So let's discuss this NBA draft in general. I know for the fans of the Grizzlies, this upcoming draft, you know, in terms of the Grizzlies, it may not be as interesting, you know, as, as the last two. It's, as a matter of fact, I, I would pretty much peg it as being nearly impossible for the 2020 draft to turn out being as exciting as the 2018 and 2019 draft for obvious reasons. But there are other reasons why Memphis fans really are interested in this draft due to the presence of James Wiseman and Precious Shoshoa, seeing where they may eventually go. You know, two names who are connected to the Memphis Tigers who potentially could be the the most significant Tigers draft picks in quite a while. But three things that are really standing out to me in regards to uh, this NBA draft class are this or that. Number one, you know, a lot of things at the top of the draft have been discussed, especially with the teams that are there. You know, what could happen? Could we see some major moves, you know, with the top few picks in the draft like we've seen in previous drafts? Could we see a team like the Golden State Warriors try to use their, you know, asset, a very, very valuable asset in most other years to allow for them to 
get another star to add to their core as they try to make, you know, one more, you know, significant run at a title or two, you know, while Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green are still relevant, you know, in their early 30s. So the first thing that stands out to me about this draft, in my opinion, is the lack of leverage that may be coming into place for the teams at the top of the draft, specifically the uh, the Timberwolves and the Warriors. And that's for a couple of reasons. Number one, you know, this draft, I think that it's pretty clear who the top five or seven names are, but what I don't think is clear is how those top five or seven uh, names are ranked. You could easily make a case, especially in the top three to five, that any uh, uh, that any one of three people could be number one, and any one of five people could be ranked anywhere from two to five. And that's the thing about the, this draft, is that if that's the case, why would someone really want to give up the assets to want to trade up to number one? Also, in general, because none of these stars are clearly... You you know, no one's clearly ahead above the rest in terms of the overall top prospects in this draft, and also that there's a big question mark on just how much of a ceiling these picks have. These picks this year, especially the first, second, and third picks, they may not be as attractive as you may usually think when it comes to these draft picks. A lot of time, in most years, you could trade the first, second, or third pick for a significantly talented young player for a team that wants to come up and get that pick. Well, this year, it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. It seems like that with the Timberwolves and the Warriors and the Hornets, you know, when it comes to their draft picks, it seems by day by day, that it's likely going to be they're going to stick and make their picks. Now, you could see a trade or two. I'm not saying that that's not a possibility, but just the leverage that these teams have, the attractive, the attractive, the level of attraction that these picks have, that in any other year would likely be very high, it doesn't seem to be that high in this draft. Another thing beyond just the overall lack of you know, not necessarily talent, but lack of, you know, clear difference-making ceiling that this talent, you know, has in terms of the players that are going to be available is the fact that, you know, yes, James Wiseman and LaMelo Ball um, and Anthony Edwards are at the top, but there are plenty of questions about each of those players to where you could find a player later on in the top 10 that, you know, you could feel just as comfortable with while also being glad that you kept your assets because you didn't have to trade up to get them. You know, for LaMelo Ball, maybe you, you know, you may not prefer Tyrese Halliburton, but if you could wait until number, you know, maybe seven or eight to get him, you may be okay with that. With James Wiseman, what if you wanted to instead, you know, aim a little bit farther down in the draft and get uh, Oneka Yokongwu? And when it comes to Anthony Edwards, perhaps you prefer a Killian Hayes. Maybe not as intriguing of an upside, but still a type of person that really, really fits the potential to be a significant difference maker in your system. So that's the thing about the top of the draft. I think that as time continues to get closer to the draft, and this may change once that trade block is removed, but I think that as time gets closer to the draft, I think we'll start to see that these top teams have reasons that are going against them having leverage in trades or against them using these assets to really bring in a significant difference maker already in the NBA. And I think that they're going to see the likelihood of them staying and picking players that they would prefer to be in their system. The second thing that stands out to me about this draft is really the amount of guards and just in general role players that are potentially there that would allow for contenders, especially in that in the in the teens and, and the twenties, to really find pieces that could immediately contribute. I'm not saying that I'm talking about you know steals that could become you know legit NBA all stars. I'm talking about in an 
NBA that to, continues to get more specialized and continues to have you know more and more defined roles on teams. I think that there are plenty of intriguing prospects, especially guards, that could provide significant that could immediately step into significant roles for teams that want to be contenders. For instance, you could look at the Mavericks, you could look at the Heat, and you could look at the 76ers um, picking you know in that 18 to 21 spot there to where you could find a lot of teams that really could fit the mold for those players. You know, for and even the Celtics as well with their picks that they have, you know, in this draft, their three picks that they have. You know, with each of those teams, they really could use guard depth, you know, and you've got names like Kira Lewis, you've got Tyrese Maxey, you've got um uh, um, Cole Anthony, you've got Desmond Bain and others who really could step into those roles for contenders and, you know, fill questions for them, answer questions for them, like for the Heat. You know, yes, they do have Goran Dragic. Yes, they do have Kendrick Nunn, who just finished second of the, who just finished second in the Rookie of the Year ballot, but I don't think that Nunn has the upside that several of these potential guards at number 20 for the Heat could, and if you combine, if you get someone talented like a Desmond Bain or a Cole Anthony to come into the fold in, um, in, um, Miami, that is a really intriguing development that answers a question, you know, to where you now have someone, you have now a developmental project in a culture that has shown the ability to develop on a contender, you've given them a significant talent that they can mold the way that they want to. So I think another thing that could stand out, that an avenue to where this draft could be a bit more memorable than most people might give it credit to be, is the fact that it could be a big source of role players, especially for contenders in the backcourt, to where you could see several players who may have plenty of questions when it came to their draft night and draft profiles that could step forward and be names that you remember, you know, three to five years from now as playing roles on these contenders because of where they were selected in this draft. The third thing that also stands out about this is that that while there are plenty of players who have warts or flaws or whatever it may be in the late second and early, um, you know, um, what late first and early second round, I think that something else you could start to see is that there's going to be more players of older ages who are picked due to the fact that there's certainty within their games compared to other players who have a, who are of higher upside. And I think Brandon Clark brings to light a perfect example as to the reason why that is significant. Last last year the Grizzlies picked um you know Brandon Clark at number 21 and there were and many of the reasons why he fell was because of his age. He was almost 23 years old at the time that he was drafted. Well, there's a lot of players who were highly productive in college who are going to be available right now who are projected in that late first to early second round, who many teams are going to look at and be like, okay, their age is a bit of a detriment. Well, that's fine. But many of those players, either through shooting or adding value in ways other than shooting, do really stand out as filling roles at many different levels, being developmental bigs, as wing depth, as potential, you know, significant reserves in the backcourt. There's a lot of options uh, that that are to be considered for different teams, especially contenders. So I think in a in a in a um, event that many times, and especially over the past several years, you've really seen that teams prefer the upside and you know really prefer the younger guys with potential versus the older guys who are probably closer to being a finished product, I think you could see a bit of a shift this year. Not a shift that's going to change overall long term, but just with the, um, just with less of an ability 
to really d- dive deep into these prospects and spend time with them due to all that's going on with COVID-19 and the fact that the preparation has been a bit limited as well, I think the teams may put more emphasis on what is known about some of these players whether than what is not known. And as a result, you could see some of these older prospects who clearly have ways that they could add value besides having limited ceilings. I think that you could see some of these older prospects become valuable picks and preferred picks, especially for contenders and teams that are drafting in the early second round. And again, I think that adds to the possibility that this draft could be more memorable than most may give it credit for due to the amount of role players that can come from it. So just three things. I think that there's less leverage for the the teams drafting at the very top of the draft to trade out of them. I think that there is the chance to where you really could see plenty of guards have relevant NBA careers, especially early, depending on what contender they may uh, wind up with. And I also think that you could see a preference for older type prospects with more certain skill sets at this point in time for teams due to the limited preparation teams have, but also just in general, due to the fact that there's more value now with having talented reserves and a talented bench. And I think especially for contenders, you will see them prefer that when it comes to their selections. But another thing that stands out also in terms of the Grizzlies is that they may already have a preferred area that they're looking to feel filled by a current member of their team. Coming up, I'm going to talk about how the Grizzlies may already be a step ahead when it comes to their draft preparation as they already have a member of their rookie class for next season who could fill a relevant role for them going forward. When we come back, I'll discuss that player in detail here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. Welcome back to the Locked on Grizzlies podcast, and I'm excited to say that we are going to bring back a familiar name for for an interview later on this week, one that I am very excited to have because I have not had the chance to interview him directly myself, but part of the great combo of Peter Edmondson and Anthony Sane over at Sports 56. Anthony Sane himself, he's got a new podcast out, a name that Memphis fans are very familiar with from the great work that he's done, you know, over the past half decade or so, you know, covering the Grizzlies and giving his perspective on all things NBA. Anthony Sane will be joining me for our Thursday edition of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. Very excited to talk with him about the draft. I know recently he's talked about some past Grizzlies drafts, but he'll be joining us and really excited to get his perspective on what to look forward to over the next few weeks leading up to the season. But another thing that I think that does need to have attention brought towards it when it comes to things to look forward to with the Grizzlies is that, yes, like I mentioned in the first segment, this 2020 NBA draft just naturally, it's going to be impossible for this draft to compare to adding Jaron Jackson Jr. in the 2018 draft, but also John John Morant and um, Brandon Clark in the 2019 draft. But I do think that one thing that needs to be remembered about the Grizzlies and this draft is that they already have an intriguing prospect, if you will, as a part of their roster. They have control over this player through a team option, though they could go multiple ways in terms of you know how long his future is with the Grizzlies and just you know exactly what type of future he has in Memphis. But that name is Jonte Porter. Now, Jonte Porter obviously is a name that Memphis fans do know because he's been you know a part of the Grizzlies organization now for around eight months. He was signed to a multi-year deal in March for the rest of the 1920 season and then for a team option for the 2021 season. Now, uh, Bobby Marks had talked about the fact, um, you know, here recently, and I think back in March as well, to where 
the Grizzlies could potentially, you know, decline that team option and then sign Jonte Porter using some of their free agent space this year if they like what they've seen and think that he could truly fit the role as a developmental big right now, a fourth big on the Grizzlies roster. But that's the reason why I think that, you know, Jonte Porter is relevant is because one thing that we've discussed about Memphis is that, yes, right now, the value of their team, the, the, the area where the most relevant value of their team is right now is their front court with Jonas Valanciunas, Brandon Clark, and Jaron Jackson Jr. However, Jonas Valanciunas may not necessarily be here for an extended period of time. There could be potential scenarios where he's traded in time, and you could see Jaron Jackson Jr. and Brandon Clark become starters. Well, if that's the case, having another big, a third or fourth big behind them is certainly something that is needed, as well as a big that checks the boxes for the front office with the Grizzlies, as well as head coach Taylor Jenkins. Well, Jonte Porter is certainly someone who who has the potential to do that. The thing, though, about Jonte Porter is that, in all honesty, he has not played competitive basketball in over two and a half years. It, it, it's true. Since high school, he has played 808 minutes of, of, of competitive basketball, and the last time he played it was in the 2017-2018 um, season at Missouri. And of course, Porter is the relevant name in, in you know of this prospect. Jonte Porter is the younger brother of rising Denver Nuggets star Michael Porter Jr. And unfortunately, as similar to Michael Porter Jr.'s um, you know career leading up to the NBA. Jonte Porter's also has been defined by injuries, multiple injuries to his legs and other body parts that really have that really have derailed, you know, what was a promising NBA career potentially, one that, you know, could have made Porter a potential lottery pick at times. He was viewed as a potential lottery pick, you know, in past drafts. But nonetheless, you know, of course, injuries have occurred, and that certainly is something that remains relevant about Porter's journey to being on an NBA roster. But the thing about it is this to remember about Jonte Porter. He's only 20 years old. Despite the fact that his freshman year was back in 2017-2018, he's only 20 years old. He'll turn 21 on November 15th. And the other big thing to remember about his game is that not a lot of the value that he adds through it comes from his athleticism. He never was an off-the-charts athlete or stood out because of his of his athleticism, his feel for the game, his ability to add value in needed ways, in ways that truly are continuing to you know gain importance, especially from big men in the NBA, and his high IQ that makes up for his athleticism on both ends of the court. Both all three of those things are still intact despite the injuries that have certainly occurred. So when it comes to Jonte Porter, that's the reason why I think that it is certainly worth remembering that he is a developmental big. Not only does that mean that the Grizzlies may not necessarily focus on a developmental big in the draft, but I don't just think that he's another body on this roster. He fits a lot of boxes. For instance, on yesterday's episode, I had talked about when it comes to Brandon Clark, there are reasons why the Grizzlies really focused on him as a potential pick in in the 2019 draft. His shot efficiency and his value and his ways to add value, you know, outside of scoring. You know, for instance, when you look at Brandon Clark in his last year at Gonzaga, when you looked at his advanced uh, metrics. The thing about it that stands out is is that he his total rebounding percentage in his senior year um, at Gonzaga, excuse me, his junior year at Gonzaga, 17.1% total rebounding percentage, 12.3 assist percentage, 2.3 steal percentage, and an 11.3 block percentage. Why is that significant? It means that Clark 
showed the ability to add significant value not only on both ends of the court, but in a variety of ways beyond scoring. And that's something that the Grizzlies obviously focus on. They focus, they, they did it when they came to their acquisition of DeAnthony Melton, and it also did it when it came to John Concher. But with John Tay Porter, he also fits that bill. Like I said yesterday, the thing that stood out about Clark was the rarity it was in a big man being able to rebound it past at the level that he did. Well, with Jonte Porter, he has very similar advanced numbers in his freshman year that Clark had in his last year in Gonzaga, a year at Gonzaga that was looked at as being one of the most efficient years of a college player in NCAA history, and Clark well, Porter wasn't far off when it came to his advanced metrics at Missouri. He had a 16.0% total rebounding percentage, 19.6 assist percentage, 2.1 steal percentage, and 7.3 block percentage. That stands out incredibly when it comes to looking at the value that Porter can add, especially when it comes to his passing. And we're going to focus on that. It's not just that Jonte Porter can sit here and make an outlet pass or can find a shooter that's open. There are multiple ways even to the point to where you can run an offense through him. Coming up, I'm going to describe how his passing really stands out as a part of Jonte Porter's game that makes him attractive for the Grizzlies and also about how he adds another element to his game that really checks a box for coach Taylor Jenkins preferences when it comes to a big man. We'll be right back to discuss those in detail and why that makes Porter a really intriguing prospect going forward for the Grizzlies. So as I mentioned with Jonte Porter, the thing that stands out about his college career, even though it was a few years back, is just how close it was in terms of advanced metrics to Brandon Clark. Now, I'm not saying that Jonte Porter is Brandon Clark. It's very unlikely that he's going to be that, number one, because he just doesn't have the athleticism anymore that Brandon Clark showed last year, but also, number two, he hasn't played competitive basketball in two and a half years, and I don't. he's definitely not as efficient of a scorer as Brandon Clark is. But the two things about Jonte Porter, you know, first we'll talk about his defense. On defense, Jonte Porter is the type of player who fits well in the team concept. With the injuries that he's occurred, he already had his limited athleticism. He's probably had some of that sapped from him even more. So his ability to stay with guards, his ability to defend on the perimeter, his ability to switch, you know, his IQ can certainly help him do that at times, but he also could become a liability the further he gets away from the basket. However, he does have plenty, he does add plenty of value when it comes to defensive rebounding, and he also can provide blocks. He averaged one 1.7 blocks per game while he was at Missouri. So he can definitely hold his own. Again, probably never an elite defender, probably not someone who adds impact each minute that he's on the court, but someone that's not going to take away from his offensive value too often due to the fact that he's a very aware and heady player when it comes to his defense. But getting back to the things that really stand out about him and make him an intriguing prospect as a developmental big for the Grizzlies. Number one is his passing and his ability to be a secondary playmaker. And the thing about it is if you know, if you notice when I've talked about these prospects, I've talked about when it comes to some of these shooters, it's their resourcefulness in scoring. Either they can score at all three levels, they have different ways they can shoot the three, they have different ways in which they can find a shot in the mid-range. Well, with Porter, it's not necessarily that his shot or his self sufficiency as a shooter stands out. What he adds for a big man is the different ways in which he can add value through passing. Number one, he's a more than capable capable rebounder. Per 40 minutes in college, in his, his, his lone year at Missouri, he averaged 11.1 rebounds, which in itself is more is definitely, you know, stands out. It's not elite, but it certainly shows that he can add value as a rebounder. Well, if he gets the defensive rebound on a possession in 
of the NBA, and then is able to show his passing ability as an outlet passer, that's definitely intriguing for the Grizzlies, especially with their preference to be a fast-break type team. He can either find a guard streaking down the court, he himself can give an outlet pass down the court to set up a scoring, a quick scoring opportunity. There are a variety of ways in which he can find the right man through his highly effective passing. But in the half court, I think, is where he adds the most value. He can th- he can, he can find options at the top of the key, kind of like we used to see Marc Gasol do. He can find options. He can find an open shooter out of the post if, t- if uh, defenses were to collapse. On the drive, he can be able to kick it out to an open shooter. Or he can even be someone that in the high post, if you want to run an offensive scheme with him basically being the facilitator, he has that type of ability. You know, I talked about it with Xavier Tillman and others, Porter really stands out even above that. I would I would be willing to bet that if Jonte Porter were in this draft class, you could easily call him the best passing big in this draft class if he was a part of the 2020 draft class, and that's something that the Grizzlies certainly need. We've talked about their need for a secondary playmaking. This is the type of guy that they can get it from, and especially if it comes to someone who can also be a significant rebounder um, on defense, you've got a great start to a possession if you can allow for Porter to get the defensive rebound and then use his passing ability. And not only that, he can be a secondary source of passing and assists that could really add depth and wrinkles to the Grizzlies' offense. So Jonte Porter's passing potential certainly is significant. But the main thing, of course, that we know about the Grizzlies is that they prefer shooting, especially when it comes to Taylor Jenkins. And we saw it when it came to his how he um, put his bigs in rotations. When Jaron Jackson Jr. went out of the lineup in the bubble, we thought it was going to be Gorgie Dane more frequently, but it was actually Anthony Tolliver who got the start due to his shooting ability. Well, that's something else that Jonte Porter really you know, succeeded at at Missouri when it came to being a big man that can shoot. Um, per 40 minutes in Missouri, he averaged 5.4 three-point attempts and two three-pointers per 40 minutes. He averaged one over one three-pointer per game. And the big thing about it is he made nearly six, 36% of them. And he did it in different ways. He was able to find catch-and-shoot opportunities. He was do it, able to do it, though it was limited on movement and in pick-and-pop situations. He also shot 75% from the free-throw line, which shows that his technique is able to be... Um, consistently performed. He's able to, you know, create the same motion, and he can also be quick with it, you know, in open opportunities. I don't know if he's going to be that effective with somebody in his face, and he's not going to be someone who creates his own shots, but with Jonte Porter, you certainly do have someone that can become an option that defenses have to respect and a liable and a reliable catch-and-shoot three-point option, you know, on the perimeter for the Grizzlies. So all in all, the big thing about Jonte Porter is that he checks many boxes that we know that the Grizzlies focus on when it comes to them identifying prospects. We know that are areas of weakness that the Grizzlies would really like to add add depth to and solving. And also he checks boxes for Taylor Jenkins' preferences when it comes to who he wants to put on the court. I don't know if Jonte Porter ever becomes someone that is a, you know, truly reliable starting center or, you know, four or five on an NBA team. But I do know that with a player that, yes, he again, he's not Brandon Clark. He does not have as high of a ceiling as Clark. But in terms of his impact, has the ability to impact the game across the board like Clark. I think he's someone that really could be very intriguing as maybe that 11th or 12th man off the Grizzlies bench, perhaps that fourth or fifth big. If he's healthy and the Grizzlies see and and like what they see, I think that Jonte Porter really could step into a role to support the bench trio of Tyus Jones and Grayson Allen and Brandon Clark over the next year or two as another significant addition.
addition to a very talented Grizzlies bench that in a lot of ways allows Taylor Jenkins to get more creative on offense and again really adds depth to areas of need for the Grizzlies. So with whatever the Grizzlies decide to do, whether they pick up his team option or, or you know potentially you know decline his team option and sign him to a multi-year deal, I think that Jonte Porter is, you know, yes, they there's just as much of a chance he simply becomes someone that the Grizzlies cut and he never has an NBA career. But because so much of his value was already added without it relying on his athleticism, I certainly think that there's a lot of intrigue there for Jonte Porter, especially in the system that he is. There's a reason why the Grizzlies focused on adding him you know, during the latter part of this season. I truly do think Jonte Porter is a name to watch, and I'm going to be very intrigued to how the Grizzlies approach their plan with him and how he could continue to develop and could be a rising name, an attractive name that fills some you know, into-the-bench or reserve roles for the Grizzlies starting out at South Haven, working his way into the rotation, potentially for Memphis as early as next season. And I also think that it's fair to say that with the presence of Porter, that may, you know, lessen the need for the Grizzlies to get a developmental big. Again, I mentioned names like Killian Tilly and Xavier Tillman, who I really love out of this draft class, and the Memphis were to add them, it'd be great. But with the presence of Jonte Porter and the fact that he meets so many of the known preferences these this uh, Grizzlies, you know, coaching staff and front office have, I do think that they you know, are going to put a lot of effort into making him, you know, develop into a rotation piece. And I'm really excited to see what Porter could do if he can remain healthy and get the, you know, tutelage that he needs. I feel the effort will be there, and I feel that he has the intelligence to really exceed expectations. Right now, there are none, but I do think that he has the upside of being a rotation piece for Memphis. And just another example of how this new front office and coaching staff can add value in unexpected ways or ways we've certainly not seen in quite a while here in Memphis. Thank you so much for joining us again. You can find the show at Locked On Grizz, myself at Stats SAC, the podcast wherever your podcasts are available, Spotify, Stitcher, the podcast app on your phone. Do remember, Anthony Sane will be with us for our Thursday episode, and we will continue to cover a lot of intriguing prospects that are going to be there for the Grizzlies and also start to focus on some potential free agent moves that the Grizzlies could make, especially with what happens with the Anthony Melton. Until next time, thank you so much for joining us on the Locked On Grizzlies podcast, and we'll talk to you soon.